panelists to come up to the stage. Let's not waste any time at all. So we have Nick Borrego, who is CEO and co-founder of Borrego Bendel Corporation. We also have Chris McLean, who's the owner of CMC IT Industries. And we have Vishal Pade, CTO of CriticalMention.com. I have to say, I'm first of all, I'm I'm Anna Frazetto, as as you heard, and um, I'm thrilled to be in an in-person conference. Okay, the, first of all, and to be in Vegas, so it's kind of like a double, you know, benefit having you know being able to do something like this, and not to mention to have such a great group of panelists too. Truly, industry leaders. Um, uh, between the four of us, I think we've seen just about anything that you can think of in the cybersecurity space. So this is kind of awkward here. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take uh, the mic so like that. You're not like staring my, at my side as we're kind of going through this. So what I'd like to do before we get into the questions is why don't we take a couple of minutes to introduce each of ourselves. So Chris, why don't we start with you? Maybe you can say a little bit about you. We know the organization you're from, but maybe a couple of sentences as far as your company and why you're excited to be here. Hello. Uh, there oh, we there go. you go. That almost hi. sounded like Barry White there. <laughs> Hello. Uh, hi, I'm Chris. I'm with CMCIT. Uh, what we do is we're a managed service provider, and I'm sure most people here know what that is. It's outsourced IT. Um, I've been doing IT since yay big, you know, eight years old, so so to speak. Um, been doing cybersecurity and all sorts of things like that for the last 20 plus years. So with that, I'll just stop and pass it on to Nick. <laughs> Hey everyone, how's it going? My name is Nick Borrego. I'm the CEO and founder of Borrego and Mendel Corporation. We are a smart city technology company that is focused on revolutionizing traffic management. We do this through artificial intelligence, IoT interconnectivity, and a lot of highly advanced cybersecurity to make sure our platform is, is highly secure. Uh, and I'm really happy to be a part of this panel. Hello. Uh, hey all, this is Vishal. I'm a CTO of Critical Mention. Uh, Critical Mention is a media monitoring platform. What we do is we collect uh, the data from internet, all the social media, television, radio, across the globe. Um, and then we present it to uh, PR and marketing firms. Now, uh, while we do that, like uh, we collect uh, thousands of petabytes of data and we have hundreds of data centers across the globe. The security is very important. And the idea to come here was to talk about and find out what is the latest and greatest happening in the security world. Excellent. And I'm Anna Frazetto, and I've been in the IT space for uh, two plus decades. I think once you get across the two decade mark, you just keep saying two plus decades. But I started off in the tech side of things. I was a developer, programmer, fascinated by security, and then I joined the dark side, got into the sales side of the organization. Uh, but I've always had the pleasure of kind of dabbling in both, both the sales and the operations 
operation and delivery side. So let's start with the first question to kind of help uh, set the foundation for our discussion. Redefining the connected workforce. I love this topic because first of all, the pandemic has changed our lives permanently and we've kind of defined what new normal is, right? So the definition of a hybrid workforce, is it here to stay? So let me kind of share a few stats when I was doing research in preparation for this panel discussion. Gartner in March of 2021, they had surveyed over 257 HR leaders asking the question, what, what is gonna happen in the workforce? Are people planning to come back to work full time? So back in 2021, they said 60% were planning to come back one to two days a week. When they did the survey again a year later in March of 22, the results were even worse, right? It was only, um, they said about 80% were still gonna be maybe one to two days a week. So again, it kind of uh, led the, the light of it being permanent, this hybrid model. The other factor is when you look at the impact of having remote workers, um, there's another study that talked about working from home increases the risk of significantly by 61% for malware attacks. Easy to do over cloud apps, right? So again, a tremendous impact from a cybersecurity perspective. Organizations as a whole, 30% increase in cyber attacks. So when you look at this, it's kind of how do you balance that having so many remote workers. Part of the challenge that we've seen at Tenchel is that employees are just not aware. That is the biggest challenge, how do you educate them? There's also cloud security risk. There's also no strong data protection and authentication challenges. And not to mention, you can't physically secure the space if the people are not under your roof. Uh, actually, when I had a chance to meet with the panelists earlier today, Nick, you said it best. What if you have a child that starts working on your laptop and they launch a video that they're not supposed to be launching or playing video games that they shouldn't be playing and therefore opening it up to a potential hack? So Nick, why don't we start with you actually in addressing how do we approach this hybrid work model? You know, I think it's a fantastic question. Um, we, we've been experiencing a lot of positive and ne negative attributes to this specific question. Uh, obviously, people enjoy working from home, right? Because you get to spend time with your family, you get to spend time with your loved ones, you get a little more time to enjoy your personal life. But from a cybersecurity aspect, it is not the most ideal situation, can honestly turn into a disaster. This is due to that exact situation where, you know, uh, an individual, an employee brings home their work laptop and a child gets on and starts playing World of Warcraft or a video game on there and all it takes is one link and your malware could, could spread throughout your entire organization and it could be catastrophic. So ultimately at the end of the day, I think that the hybrid model is great but for cybersecurity in particularly, I think the, the more you spread data out, the harder it is to really, to really make it secure because there's so many different open ends, there's so many different ways that hackers can really get into that data, especially if, you know, children, for example, are, are utilizing that, that laptop. Exactly, Vishal? Yeah, and uh, to add on to it, like uh, if you think about a startup, a small company, for them, they don't really have a budget 
for the uh, cybersecurity. They don't have a dedicated team who focuses on cybersecurity. And if you have a big team, you have thousands of developers who are working in different um, environments and different locations and working from home. And then you want to make sure how do you secure their data. Like, so we definitely had to spend a lot of time to figure out, even before the pandemic, when we had, uh, when we had to move from our data center to cloud. So when you're migrating from your data center to cloud, now you don't see those machines physically. So you don't have access to those machines. So now you have to figure out how do you manage the access. You have to be very granular about making sure the access is correct. Like everybody who's connecting to your environment, you have to uh, figure out how he's connecting to your environment. What uh, uh, permissions he has and what he can do with the data or what he can do with the uh, the software or the hardware uh, he has access to. So um, it's it's a bigger challenge than what it was before, and it's definitely the one where you have to spend a lot of time and you have to uh, spend more money and more education. Education for the employees, I think the weakest link in this particular section is the users, like user itself, they, they don't know what they are doing. So you have to constantly train them, educate them on the cybersecurity front. Exactly. They just don't know what they don't know, right? So now, Chris, in the short period that I've gotten to know Chris, he's going to tell us. Go ahead, tell us what your thoughts are in Hello. regards okay. to this. Yeah. Um, so, in my opinion, like what I've seen from working with clients, small to mid-size, even large companies, is people do security only if they have to, right? So we have to enforce that kind of thing, and that's kind of crappy from our aspect because we have to enforce it. And from a user's perspective, it's I have to do all this extra stuff now. But on the flip side is you have to do some kind of a risk assessment and look where you're going with what you have so you can put in efforts to mitigate, reduce, or accept risk. So if by doing the things that we're mentioning like two-factor authentication, keeping your network secure, using VPN wherever you can, um, also, if you're using a BYOD device, using separate accounts to log into your computer, one for work, one for home, those kinds of things help to mitigate some of that risk. And as we were talking about earlier, like this morning, with the uh, internet routers at home, making sure you change your default passwords, those kinds of things are all things you can put in place. But as also as Vishal said, education. You, ha you have to have some kind of an education and training program to teach everyone how to do these kinds of things, otherwise, best laid plans are going to fall apart if nobody knows or understands how to implement. Right. So curious, poll of the audience, how many of you have a formalized education program within your organizations to provide that training? Okay, not everyone, but a, but a majority of you. Okay, fantastic. So let's kind of move on to, to the next question. As we go through this, if you have questions, I like to make the session as interactive as possible. So if you do have a question, yes, please. I hope this mic is on. Beautiful. Yes. Okay. I do a lot of work with uh, cyber security and cyber risk mainly, um, but I wondered if you could touch on the topic of how cyber and you can say social engineering or like real life attacks. Like, you know, <clears throat> I was speaking with my former CISO at Cognizant and saying like, 
kind of like what you were saying um, in the middle, I'm sorry about your name, it just takes one thread before everything falls apart. Like I just have to find one new person in an organization that doesn't have the training, that you know um, hasn't turned over, hasn't um, appropriated the ethics where these protocols are living. So now you know they have default passwords, they have everything is very vulnerable. So if I find a new person in a new company and I snatch them up, you know, I can accost them physically, which makes their mental state weak, and now the cybersecurity is risked. And now a new senior manager of my company is putting the whole company at risk because, you know, of X, Y, and Z. So just, you know, approaching the dais asking these things because it's it's very uh, nascent and just wondering you know how are we still taking the same uh, perspective that you know we need to just have education and that you know the paradigm has to turn this from uh, obligation to um, we'll say necessity or part of your you know your health so does this make sense I can like chop that down a little bit more <laughs> clear as mud right no. great <laughs> thank you I. Is it clear as mud? Oh, no, I, <laughs> okay. I know exactly what she's getting at. She's asking, is, does social engineering, when it's somebody new, yeah. impact how they're not prepared to react to that social engineering? Yeah. So and hopefully I'm understanding. Yeah, right? and basically like nowadays there's a trend where people will like create physical attacks on mm -hmm. top of cybersecurity attacks. So you could say, for, exa for yep. example, you have a company very established, they have a ransomware attack, and then also part of their senior leadership is being accosted, and that creates you know, a double bind, twofold um, problem, because now I have to deal with something in the fiscal world, and I have to deal with my cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you know, if, you've ever, if you've ever had a vulnerability before, it, you know, it can take a lot out of you when you have to you know, change all your passwords and all, yep. you know, all that stuff. So, you know, Social engineering is probably to me one of the biggest open areas where there is the least amount of availability to enforce cybersecurity because of like we said, it's interaction with people and people are the weak point in cybersecurity because we just think, sometimes we trust when we shouldn't. I used to do internal auditing and that was part of what we did was go through. I'd, I'd go into hospitals or, or places like you know nursing homes, I'd put on a white lab coat with a stethoscope, walk up and go, hey, let me access your computer. Boom, that would happen, you know. Walk up and you grab somebody's password off their computer, you know, or wherever they have it posted. Those kinds of things are, like you said, cultural yeah. and you have to work on that and you have to constantly train. My, my process was, before they even got access to those systems, they'd have to go through the training as part of their onboarding process. You know, you'd have to actually, before you create the account or release the account to them, they have to have all this kind of information done beforehand so that they at least have the basis of it. That's how I kind of addressed some of that. Okay. And then also, like we were saying before, continuing education. Just continuing, this is something we've seen. Here's, here's social engineering, people are gonna call you. Never give your passwords out, ever, ever, ever. Yeah. You know, those kinds of things. Next ending. Absolutely, and you know, in this specific situation. Ooh, too hot, too hot. In this specific situation, there's two types of people, two types of company. There is proactive and reactive. So if just, really what the organization really needs to focus on is, is training everyone from the C-suite, executive suite, all the way down to the janitor, because anyone can make this mistake. Anyone, and it's such a simple mistake to make. It's one link, you click on it, and that's game over. 
So ultimately, at the end of the day, we really just need to vamp up our, our cybersecurity teams and, and really provide them the necessary funding to be able to do the training. Because at the end of the day, I, I sat down with, I, I can hear him now, Stephen Brown, he's, a, he's my cybersecurity advisor from our organization. He's like, Nick, we need to focus on funding. We need to get every aspect of cybersecurity done now so we don't have to work backwards. And ultimately, that's, that's where these organizations are, are losing control, is they're not being proactive, they're being re reactive. Yeah. Right. And sometimes right. there's embarrassment, right? Like the more senior executives, they don't want to go through the training that everybody else is going through. So well, a, a technique that I've, I've seen work is that you kind of separate the training, right? So you have multiple phases, multiple components, but then you have personalized training for the leadership, but that you know at the end as everybody checks off, you know that everybody has gotten the same knowledge and therefore, that is is yeah know, done. and I think that's you know I think this has to just you know to put a capstone on this I think this really has to be instilled that you know when we're doing this talent war when we're performing in this talent war our income our wellness really plays into how people interact with cybersecurity so then it's not so reactive right you know because when people feel taken care of I'm less likely to take risks I mean this is I mean, philosophical, of course, but, you know, I'll be less likely to take risks if I'm taken care of and I've got proper management and all this stuff, you know, similar to a computer system. So, you know, I, I think that you're absolutely right there. That, that uh, personhood aspect, that cognitive, you know, aspect to it, that, oh, my personality change, like, is affected by, you know, this training and now I'm not going to be as secure. Like, that's crazy. So I think right. that has to be a part of the future, but that, right. that's... That, th that works. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to the next question. How does a secure, connected workplace improve remote and in-office collaboration and promote efficiency? So I thought it was interesting. Apollo a Technical actually did a nice compilation of studies uh, from Stanford, Owl Lab, Connect Solutions, and also the Bureau of Labor uh, Statistics. And they said the performance actually increased by 13%, and they said productivity actually increased by 77%. But now they're starting to see a drop because honestly, it's the pendulum swings, right? It was, the, it was like the new normal, everybody's working from home, so therefore everybody's nose down doing what they need to do. But now that the new normal is that you're stuck at home, well, guess what? You have the distractions that are kind of piercing into that environment and therefore productivity is kind of going back to the same way as it was in the office and the same thing with performance. The sad thing is that collaboration is suffering. What are, you, what are you seeing? Because Microsoft actually had an interesting study looking at their own tools and seeing that it became more siloed and less group activity. So that's one negative as far as looking at working from home. So how do we counter that? Who would like to start? Vishal? Should. So, there you go. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the two things here. When you are working remote, if you are a senior employee, you know what you, are, uh, what you have to do and what you are doing. It's easier for you to do your job. But if you are a, a junior employee who just started the work and you really need to work with someone who knows how to do it, 
that's where we are definitely seeing productivity is going down. The guy, they, there are communication challenges, like uh, junior people doesn't really want to talk to the senior uh, personnel. So you have to constantly motivate them. You have to figure out a way, how do you promote the communications within the company? What are the activities you can do? Uh, you have to get HR involved as well, like to make sure uh, within the company, like everybody's talking to each other. They are learning from their seniors. They're learning about the company culture. They're learning about what is happening overall within the company. So what we have seen in last two years, and we have been growing, like we added 200 plus employees in last two years. Uh, and the biggest challenge was to get them going. Like, how do we train them? How do we get them going? How do we make them communicate with each other? How do, how do we make them a part of a team? The building a team in a remote, remote environment is the biggest challenge which we are facing. Um, and we are, we are learning as we go. We are trying to figure out what can we do to train these guys? What can we do to build a team um, better, uh, given the situation is what it is right now? Um, but workload-wise, like we have definitely seen, what we have seen is that the employee who knows what they are doing, the senior, their efficiency has improved a lot. And the new guys, their efficiency is going down. And that's where um, we, we are to put together the programs in a place to motivate them and uh, improve their efficiency. Excellent. Nick? Absolutely. And I, I, I second exactly what Vishal said, because there's that fine line in the sand between you know, enjoying family and, and loving your, your home life and your work-life balance and not being able to collaborate in person. For example, let's keep it simple, right? Um, you're, you're at an office, you got a problem, you can walk to the next cube, say, hey, what's going on, how, how can I get this fixed? You're virtual, it might be a little bit more difficult because that person might not be online. And that's as simple as it gets. So ultimately, at the end of the day, I believe, even though, you know, working from home, was started from COVID. No, we had the capability of doing this this entire time. Um, I, I just believe from a cybersecurity aspect, especially, you know, with new engineers and new, new cybersecurity individuals coming in, we need to have that in-person connection because individuals need to collaborate in person, get questions answered immediately, or you could potentially delay the process and ultimately, you know, decrease efficiency. And I, I think that's where we can see those, those efficiency numbers starting to decrease. Right. There's nothing like whiteboarding in person. Exactly. Right. There's nothing like being able to, you know, draw something out, game plan in person. I'm a very visual person, so trying to do it via Zoom just doesn't cut it. Chris, from your perspective? So from my... No, no, no. Oh, I am. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. From my perspective is my company is virtual for the most part, right? So we do work virtually and we do it pretty well, I think. But on the contrary to that, I like to plan things where we're together because we need to collaborate. We make sure that we're online, we're available for each other. That's a cultural thing, I think, in a, in a lot of aspects. It's if your company's culture can support that and you enforce, <coughs> excuse me, I apologize and you can enforce that, then you have no, you know, you'll have a better return on your efficiency and your productivity. But you also have to watch for that balance too. So you, I, I think that from my perspective, it's, it's good to work from home, but you know, I like in person. So I always meet with clients. I always meet with my employees in person and I try to do as much as I can to promote a good environment that we can. Well, also connecting with clients. I mean, you can't develop, you know, relationships 
by, you know, a Zoom call, right? Like you walk into somebody's office, you can kind of connect with what, if there's something hanging on the wall or there's something on the desk, as opposed to on a Zoom call, you're not gonna go, hey, what's hanging behind you, right? It, it kind of, you lose that, right? Okay, so how to assess how hackers view your company's digital presence. So we were talking a little bit about hackers before. And what's interesting is that the challenge is there's too much data available to hackers. Websites. I see this often in dealing with clients where they want to put as much information as possible to be able to show how quickly their company is growing, what great clients they have, and all you're doing is you're giving the data and the ammunition for the hackers to come after you. Uh, Inc. had an article just this past uh, April, I believe, had an article that states perfect target is a small business that lists Fortune 500 clients, right? Another area is that if you recently did an M&A, right? So if you merged with or acquired another company, then there's probably going to be a hole in your uh, defenses and therefore you're a great ta target or if you're rebranding your company. So how do you protect yourself? Who, Chris, why don't we start with you? Okay, the best cybersecurity policy is don't use technology, <laughs> right? No. Um, okay, great. I mean, <laughs> yeah, pen, paper, no, I'm kidding. Um, so like she was saying, keep your presence restricted as much as possible, abstract information. You can still promote yourself, give out things, but try to keep it as limited as possible. You know, don't put hey, I met with this client about this, this, and this all over there. You know, there's that TMI, too much information type thing. And you just want to make sure that you don't do that. Because the more information that, like, those people can gather from everything and anything, because our digital lives are online, right? Whether we want them to be or not, all that stuff's there. And they can use that to get information, get passwords, get this, get that. Then do the social engineering and call you and say, hey, I'm with blah, 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 blah that'll be detrimental to your overall cybersecurity portfolio. Nick. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I couldn't agree. That is my microphone. So I, I couldn't agree more, you know. Um, and, and the way I look at it and the way Stephen Brown, you know, explains it to me, is, especially with our organization because we're a startup, so we're extra susceptible. And we, we got to make sure that we're, we're doing the right things at the right time, especially right now, um, is, is we look at it from a high-level overview, right? We look at the, the company website. Okay, my picture is there. My title is there. My email is there. Boom. I'm a target. E as easy as that. The easier you make your information available to these individuals, the easier it's going to be. If you make it more difficult, obviously, you know, they might not spend as much time looking into your organization and targeting you as an individual. So what we do is we, we look at it from almost like a detective standpoint or, or do a reverse role. So we play as the criminal. Okay. We, we go through the website and, and Steven's like, okay, there's your picture. Da, 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 da. Um, this is how susceptible you are. We do risk assessments and, and we, we kind of turn the whole situation and we, we flip the perspective as if we were trying to access our database and try to get into our information. Um, so ultimately that, that really helps us protect ourselves because it limits the information that we put out there uh, to, to give to these hackers to ultimately give them an opportunity or, or pique their interest to get into our organization. Excellent point. Michelle. And 
what you have to assume is at any given point somebody is trying to hack into your system. So you have to use a multifaceted uh, process of figuring out how would you protect yourself. So like uh, uh, Nick said before, like you don't, you never want uh, clicking on a single link hack into your somebody clicking onto a single link to hack into your system right so you have to make sure that you give your employee role based permissions like what role do they have and what permission should they get for that particular role as they get more training they get more access to the system and on the system side you have to make sure every individual system is protected on the different layer so a machine itself and a server is protected um, the networking equipment which is on top of the server is protected the layer which is on top of it is protected and all of this is monitored as well not so you are monitoring someone who's trying to hack into the system not just that but you are also monitoring what your employees are doing what are they trying to get into are they trying to uh, connect to a resource where they don't have permission to connect to that resource are they trying to run uh, some commands which they are not supposed to run so all that data, it's a 24 by 7 operation, so you have to have a team who's looking at that data, observing them and figuring out what is changing, why the usage is different than what it was before, and then making predictive models out of it and then delivering those decisions. And given all that, uh, again, you have to assume that somebody's trying to hack into your system at any given point, and you have to protect yourself using all those technologies. Excellent. Also, I mean, your system needs to be completely locked down. Like, there, nobody should be allowed to download any application on, on their laptops or their phones, especially if it's a work phone. They need to be, make sure that that only goes through an administrator. And then you have to play, like, the pros and cons. If I put this out there, how much exposure, Nick, to your point, you say, okay, is it worth it? If not, then you limit it back. Now, how do you counter that with the sales and marketing? side of the organization that want to be able to kind of brag as far as the success of your company and they want to make sure that your organization is punching above their weight and they look bigger and stronger than they really are. So that's that constant battle. So how do you fight that? What, especially because it's not tangible if you haven't been attacked and, and now they view it as you're just being nervous, you're just being paranoid. So what's the counter to that? Nick, do you want to take that? Yeah, sure. So just like Vishal said, you know, you got to have layers in your organization because obviously you don't want to, you don't want to stunt your marketing and your sales and, and really your exposure of your organization. That's, that's detrimental, just as detrimental as getting hacked, if not, you know, potentially more or less. Um, but ultimately you just got to be extra protective. You got to, you got to put those layers in. You got to have your, the right firewall. You got to have the dual authentication. You know what I mean? And really just build your, your cybersecurity base as, as much as you possibly can without giving too much information away to, to hackers and potential people that are wanting to disrupt your organization. And also, you have to get the support from the CEO, right? Exactly. That that's the direction that you need to go in. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. And I just want to add one more point. So that's that's one thing that my advisor always tells me, Stephen Brown. I, I look up to him for anything IT because he's he's incredible. Um, he he's like Nick. You know, there's there's really two options. If if you do get hacked, you you have to either pay the the malware and exactly like your point. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I forgot your name, but sometimes you know you you 
pay you pay this ransom and they don't even give you the key back you know you you don't get your information so it's all encryption it's all backups it's all like creating that onion for cybersecurity exactly chris I forgot what I was going to say. Don't say that you don't like salespeople now. <laughs> no, I don't like salespeople. Um, no, um, I, my thought is keeping it as separate as possible. So keeping that sales process outside of what you have internally for your intellectual property and things like that. If you can keep those system, systems separate as much as possible, but I know you have to have order processing and things like that. But as much as possible, keep those things separate. Whitelist where you can. You know, keep things only talking to things that need to talk to things. Block everything else out. You know, like for instance, you know, one server can only talk to this server. This can only talk to that. Keeping those things separate like that will help mitigate those risks. Also, like you're saying, social media. I, I, I abstract as much as possible. So I try not to be as you know personal. But you know, like you said. I'm up there, it's me. Can't hide that, right? right. Oh well. I so should. we do the best thing. I'm sorry. No bad. Yeah, so when it comes to cybersecurity, more is never enough, right? You have to have those layers. But not just that, you have to also convince the sales team and the marketing team that cybersecurity is for them as well. They are part of organization and they need to get that training. They need to go through that training. Even though they feel it's not useful for them, but for the organization it's very important. Actually, yes. We have that if you, we have automatic training that goes out to everybody in the organization. And if they don't take the certain little quiz that you have, then it, it, it eventually, it keeps getting escalated. And eventually it gets escalated to the CEO. So the last thing that you want is the CEO to get your name on his email that you didn't take a stupid little phishing test that you could have easily uh, taken. Okay, let's move on to the next question. The value of security awareness training. Oh boy, this is like perfect segue here. To help employees understand and avoid common attack scenarios. Right, educate your team. We've been talking about this. Plenty of supporting material that refers to the importance of educating your team. There's lots of training modules out there. Um, I, I have a little list here of five ways to kind of do that, but before I get into that, why don't we share some of the ideas that you might have. Vishal, do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, so one thing which we learned, like when we're trying to put together a program to train the employees, like when you think about the teams who are not doing IT work, you have to make it interesting for them. Why do they want to do the security training? You have to give them some benefit. Like if they complete this course, if they learn something um, out of it, they they get something, uh, they get a gift voucher or they get something, they get a certificate for completing the training. Uh, not just that, make it interactive. Like talk about the training, create a, a group discussion where people are talking about what they learn in the training, why it is useful for them. Like have an IT guy talk to someone who has, uh, questions about what they just went through, what they learned, and how to protect themselves. Excellent. Are we evacuating? Was that a security breach? Like, <laughs> I don't know. We're good? Okay. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> One word. Training for cybersecurity is priceless. Hmm. It can cost you your entire organization. Whether you're a Fortune 500 company, whether you're a startup, if you don't train your people the right way and you don't get that information ahead of time, and this is something that Steven always tells me too. He goes, Nick, you know, I know we're working really hard. We're getting all this stuff done. We're developing 
state-of-the-art technology that's going to change the world. But if we don't get involved at this exact point and we don't train your people at this exact point, we're going to have to step back and it's going to decrease productivity. So ultimately, at the end of the day, that one word, training, is priceless. Priceless. Chris. Training, training is, like you said, it's priceless. And in order to get the buy-in, free food, free alcohol, you know, those kinds of things. They were, you know, getting people to come to the training, like they were saying, and actually taking it and internalizing it. But you also got to make it, like, like you're saying, part of your culture. So you got to keep that training going, and then you got to keep those little reminders and those little nudges going. So when somebody, you know, when I walk around or I talk to somebody, I go, so you don't have your passwords underneath your computer, or, you know, you don't do this or that, or those kinds of things, plus having, like, that full spectrum of you watch the videos, you do this, you do that, then you send out phishing email, you know, things, then you call people and you do social engineering attacks internally and then, you know, it's not just penetration testing, it's doing that whole, the whole gamut of things that you need to look at in order to make sure that you're as protected on all fronts as possible. Making sure that you test your backup solutions, making sure you test your security solutions, those kinds of things are all very important and doing them quarterly is probably one of the best ways. Not necessarily taking all of it into account, but at least focusing on one piece, your critical pieces, and then moving forward from there. And like you said, starting off with as much as possible in place will save you in the long run from having to go back and do it. Or when the worst happens, you lose it, and then you're trying to scramble going back, okay, where do we have something that's good? How far back do we have to go? Right. We actually have our uh, founders uh, that they'll say, oh, you know what caught me? Like in the tech, like we actually have them send out emails to show that it's not perfect. You're going to get caught, but that this is why we do these exercises. So like that, you can, you know, learn and improve. Some quick little takeaways, you know, five ways your employees can help prevent attacks. You teach them to spot suspicious emails, right? That's a great one. Communicate best practices for passwords. So to your point, Chris, like don't leave your passwords hanging by your uh, laptop. Uh, set policies for protecting sensitive business information. Maintain physical security. And of course, remind them to practice good security all the way around. Okay, going to our uh, next question. Clear actionable lists of steps to take to improve your workplace security. What suggestions can you suggest? besides, you know, password manager, but let, let's give a couple of suggestions to the team. Chris, you want to start? Okay, so physical security, right? Yeah. Uh, physical security, locking your doors, limiting access, the same way you would do it on your network and systems like that, only giving people access to the places that they need. Those are, you know, really big things. Cameras, monitoring, those kinds of things. If you have the budget for it, security guards, uh, you know, some kind of security presence. Making sure those things are in place will help mitigate a lot of things, you know, so. Yeah, and not sparing expense, I think, is, is a huge part of it because ultimately, you know, uh, especially as a startup founder myself, um, we, we got to be careful with every dollar that we spend. And 
ultimately at the end of the day, you know, if we spend extra on a better firewall, a better security system, uh, implementing cameras, implementing different forms of technology to, to protect ourselves, that's, that's crucial and critical at this point. So at the end of the day, when you're, you're worried about, you know, spending an extra couple thousand dollars to, to get the more enhanced version of that cybersecurity or that firewall, I would say do it could save you. And, and that it's actually monitored too. So not only just set it up, but that it's actually monitored and evaluated. Exactly. Right, Vishal. Right. And not just that, you have to monitor the output from all those devices is what is happening, like how, which direction the data is flowing, who's getting access and who's not getting access to those devices. Um, and multi-layer of monitoring is important as well. You know, the other, the other suggestion is, you know, to set not just from a physical security, but plugins, themes, platforms to upload automatically, right? So that it's not, you don't have to have uh, a reminder, it's just done automatically for you. Okay, our, our last question is, for security teams, how does it reduce complexities that make their organization more vulnerable? Right, that, that's, that's a challenging one, right? So shift to layered security to avoid single point of failure is leading to vulnerabilities caused by complexity. Yeah, I think you have to make sure that uh, you do testing multiple times a year. You, you do um, uh, red team exercises where you try to get into the system. You use different engineering teams. Um, there are three different layers here, like you have to secure your hardware, you have to secure your software, and you also have to secure your environment, like uh, who gets into it, who gets out of it, who can access things. Like, the easiest thing to hack into is a wireless device, like uh, a web access firewall or, or uh, access point. So if somebody can come to your office and get into your office, he can get access to that device, he can hack into your system. So you have to make sure that those things are not there, like nobody can connect a USB stick to your laptop or nobody connects, you don't have, you block those access, you don't give access to USB stick, you don't give access to external devices. Whoever um, gets access to the server, those data flow through a VPN connection. There is a multi-factor authentication. There are multiple layers of authentication which you have to go through before actually getting an access. And then whatever you do on that devices is also recorded and monitored. Monitoring is the uh, a big part of cybersecurity. You need to monitor everything, uh, the changes which are happening, the patterns which are happening on the day-to-day -day basis, like how much data flows through this data center? Is it increasing? Is it decreasing? Do I see something abnormal? Somebody is trying to get into my system. Somebody is trying to run a NMAP scan on my system. Are they trying to look for open ports into my system? So those things you have to constantly monitor and improve and you have to do it yourself as well. You have to do those red team exercises. You have to scan your system. You have to find out what are the open ports. You have to scan your software. You have to find out which open source software you are using within your organization. Who's testing for it? Uh, you, have, you have to have a team who looks into what your coders are writing. Like, are they keeping um, loops? Are they keeping open ends which you have to tie and make sure that uh, you are not uh, vulnerable for those things? Right. A common thing I hear is it's not the complexity, it's a bad design, right? That that's really what the issue is. Right. And so, 
Oh, the, sorry, ahead. sorry. Uh, and the you can tell you're passionate right? about this, by the way. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, and the architecture, right? Like you have to design it, you have to think about it, and you have to architect it in such a way that multiple people are responsible for it. You don't have a single point of failure, not a single, not one person. And you, those people who are part of your red, uh, red teaming exercises, they come from different backgrounds. Like they, they come from the hardware side, they come from the IT side, they come, come from the sales side, and you get their ideas and build your uh, plan. Right, Nick? Yeah, absolutely, I couldn't agree more. You know, awareness is, is critical and scanning and making sure you know exactly what's going on, when it's going on, is, is very critical. But I also think, you know, not putting all your eggs in one basket, not all your data in, in one specific area. For example, you know, HR has its own data, the executives have their own data, IT, the, and so on and so forth. Because if you get hacked and all of your data is in one spot, I mean, that's, that's catastrophic, you know? So ultimately keeping your data segregated and making sure that, um, you know, that your, your IT team is currently running sweeps on it, making sure that everything is scanned and, and everything is, uh, they have full awareness. Terrific, Chris. Yeah, um, so my, my thought is very similar to what they're saying. It's visibility, overall it's visibility. From like, you know, an owner perspective, you wanna know what's happening you want your team to know what's happening. So you want to make sure that any solution you have, no matter how complex, because you can go down to the you know, nth degree on something and get lost in it. If you don't action, you know, make that actionable, that information you're getting, you're n nothing's going to happen. And then your team's just going to sit there and go, oh, cool. You, know? you want to make sure that it's actionable. So the information you're getting that you're looking at has to be something that you can go and say, I need to look at this because something's wrong. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen. Your team's just going to ignore it. If it's, if it, you know, and then what point is it giving you? It's a false sense of security. So. Thank you. As you can see, there are so many different topics that we've touched on, and we could probably spend the next hour still talking about these items. But what I'd love to do is open it up to any questions from the audience. We still have a few more minutes. Yes, we have a question up here in the front. Thanks, it was a very insightful panel discussion. Um, how you. can you talk about step-by-step -step actions which you would take if you know, there's a security breach in your organization? Like what are the detailed steps you would take to uh, minimize the risk or you know, just handle the situation, I guess, in a way? Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. For yeah. us, it's, it, it's dependent on what the situation is you have to you have to know what's happening so if it's if it's somebody's account got hacked first thing you would do is you'd say right. lock that person down right that's that's one of the first basic things then you look at okay what do they have access to what do we need to go from here you keep building upon that so your plan has to be more of a framework of a you know we start at the root or we start here and then we find out what the root is you know and then kind of build from that and go and then do research and more things. You can take that broad, broad stroke approach and go, oh, their password got attacked. Boom, we're shutting the whole thing down. Now that doesn't always work, right? Especially in a production environment. You don't want to overreact. But then again, you don't want to underreact. So that's why you have to build that framework and think about that. And those are tabletop 
discussions that you have and you, you design plans for each kind of thing. So a risk assessment is something that you want to do. You identify risks and then you go, here's the plan to mitigate this risk, here's the plan to mitigate this risk, so on and so forth, so that you understand where you need to go when something happens and you have kind of a playbook. Right. You said that Great. perfectly. Yeah, that's that's exactly. exactly what I was yeah. going to say as well. Yeah, that was perfect. Great answer. <laughs> that was perfect, yeah. Any other questions? Yes, we have a question in the back. Hello. Uh, one of you guys mentioned that the weakest point is the, is the Wi-Fi connection, right? Uh, what do you think? Like, shouldn't we uh, use the Mac, uh, like the Mac filtering, like for the office environments? Like, even if someone gets the, like the Wi-Fi credentials or something, like then the user will not be able to connect until and unless the Mac filtering is in the is in the firewall. I'm just I'm just wondering. Uh, sure. Um, so you you can use Mac filtering, but uh, I can spoof your Mac in 15, 15 minutes. So it's I mean it's secure. Uh, it's definitely layered security approach, right? So you have passwords, you have multi-factor authentications, you have Mac security. So you can't get into the system until unless your Mac address is the one which is uh, which has access or authorized one, right? So this is all part of the security, but only Mac address is not the solution, right? Like I can. Um, create a device and I can give it whatever MAC address I want to give. Just one of the security layer. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I have one more question. So what do you think, like the firewall as a service and the on-premises service, which one is better? Like, you know, for example, I, I have an environment and that's everything is VMware. Uh, we own our server. So sh should we use like the, like our own devices for the firewall or we can still use FAST firewall as a service as well? I have used both, um, and I, I prefer, uh, again, this is just my preference, uh -huh. and because I prefer my own firewall, because I can get into it and I can restrict it the way I want to do it. The minimal design, even and if minimal the, even, even if the, sorry to interrupt, even if your architecture is on the cloud as well, like AWS, still you, still, still you prefer, like, you know? So, the cloud, uh, the cloud security, you have to take a different approach. So, okay. you have, when, when you, when you want to secure your cloud, you, it firewall is just the start. Exactly. You have to have multiple things. Like you have to have a cloud front, you have to have firewalls, then you have a security rules, then you have an individual IP table rules for your machine. So multi, it's a multi-layer approach. Every single thing you have to secure, you have to create a VPN, you have to create a VPC, you have to secure those VPCs as well. Uh, so it's a multi-layer approach. And um, on in the organization side, it's a different approach. So if you have access to a physical device, I feel a bit more comfortable, but given the hybrid environment, you have to figure out a way to secure your cloud environment as well. Okay, sounds good. Thank you, thank you. I think we have time for one more question. Okay, listen though, it's got to be short. <laughs> I will. Um, so what's, okay. your, what's your perspective on single sources of truth since we're moving from, it's kind of like uh, his question, you know, moving into cloud computing and um, yeah, so are single sources of truth valuable anymore? I personally think yes, because if you don't have a single source of truth, how are you going to make sure that all of your data is the same, right? If you have person A putting something in here, person B something in here, yes, you can mesh that all together and make them all sync, but what's going to be the master? That's my, that's my thought process is what's going to be the master? You're still going to have to have something somewhere that is the source of truth for that system, not necessarily like the whole overall scheme. Like he's saying, you can still data silo like this, 
but you have to have a source of truth for each silo. And then you take that and you break that down and you can have those nodes that have all the information. They can read from it. They can look at things, edit, but it goes back to that source of truth and then that holds on to it and then make sure you always back that up, back that up, back that up. Locally, geographically diverse, online, so on and so forth. And keep it encrypted. Uh, yeah, you have to encrypt, uh, sing, uh, encrypt it and back it up, yeah, like I said. Okay, I think that brings us to a close. Thank you so much and thank you to the panelists. Thank you. Thank you everyone. Thank you guys.